You listening to Jonesy's jukebox on KLOS? You good? Absolutely fine. How are we getting? Uh, we good. That was uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Boogeyman Sam. And before that was The Slider by T-Rex from the album The Slider. <clears throat> the King Gizzard was from the forthcoming album Fishing for Fishes, our April 26th Australian band. That's good. I like that. Um, we're here with my guest, journalist, music journalist, Chris Salovic. Vich, yeah. Vich. I haven't nice. finished. Let me finish. Sorry. <laughs> Salovic is... Say it. Chris Salovic. Oh, man. It's easy when you know. Well, it's, it's when, it's, when it's your name, it's easy. Yeah, that's right. You can imagine how it's pronounced all my life, of course. Yeah. Did you get that a lot then? Yeah, of course. Salewicks. Yeah. Sandwich. So, sandwich. Joe Strummer used to call me that. Did you get that at school a lot? Sandwich. Sally bitch. Silly bitch. Silly bitch. Was you, um, was you, uh, wait, is that a Polish name? Yeah, my dad was Polish. Came yeah. over to England during the war. But you, uh, so you were born in, in England? Yeah. Yorkshire. Yeah. Nice. So Yorkshire. I don't have a but I don't have a Yorkshire accent because he didn't have a Yorkshire accent. And my mum was half Italian, so she didn't have a Yorkshire accent. But you sound like an English accent. But it's an English accent, absolutely. I live, know, in, I live in London. Do you know David Coverdale? He's from Yorkshire. Is he really? He's from Sheffield or somewhere, isn't he? Like that, I think. Yes. No, I don't know him. Yeah. But he, because he, he played with Jimmy Page, of course. Yes. Coverdale Page. Yes. And that's the reason you're here. Indeed. You've got a new book. That's that, right. That, 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 Jimmy Page, the definitive biography. Thank you. Published thank today, in fact. Really? Actually, today. Wow. Yeah. And you didn't bring me a bleeding copy. No, I thought. Obviously, I thought they'd sent you a copy. Who's they? The publisher. The bloke behind the curtain. De Capo, yeah. The bloke behind the curtain who hasn't done it. I'm flabbergasted. Yeah. Oh, De Capo, that's what my book was on. Yes. Yeah. In America. I, yeah. yeah. And, and I can't remember who the English publisher was, but I really enjoyed your book. I Thank thought it was you. great. I mean, not just like it's quite good, really great. Man. Do you read a lot of books? I'm sure you do. Yeah, I do. I read, you know, two or three a week. I just, I just bought a book on Amazon. Don't tell anybody. But it's a, it's a crazy book. I wonder if I'm, I'm sure you've read it. It's about uh, hippies in Laurel Canyon. Oh, okay. Which one is it? Uh, I've, I've got it in there. I'll bring it in. But it's kind of on the front. They're like in shadows. Yes. It's about the conspiracies of, uh, you know, um, they were like plants for for the government. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I do. do I've, I think I've read that one. I've read a couple of books about Laurel Canyon. Yeah, I'll, I'll go and get it in a minute. But because uh, gonna... it's, it's interesting in the light of that Tarantino film that's coming out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? And that whole era. Yeah, you know the Sharon 60s. Tate killing the late yeah. '69. Yeah, here it comes. Here's, here comes the book. Thank you. Weird scenes inside the canyon. Oh, let's have a look. Who's the author? David McGowan. I'm not sure if I have read this. I'll get this. It yeah. looks brand new, doesn't it? It's totally brand new. I just bought it. I haven't even looked at it. The only thing I'm disappointed about is there's no bleeding pictures. Yeah, I'd like some pictures of that time. Well, I mean, I, I remember going up to John Mayles' place there. Oh, yeah. John McVeach Me too. Up there. Right at the top there. Which burnt down, of course. Yes. Yes. 
in a bad fire whether yes. which would but that seems part of the problem of living up there doesn't it it is a risk especially these days but they've always had fires but i went to a party at someone's place on um saturday night a little bit higher up laurel canyon and it was on such a steep hanging off the edge yeah. of a cliff yeah and apparently every time there's you know rain it's kind of mud hurtles down. Yeah. I mean, it's a fabulous place. You but pay extra for that. You pay extra for that. It seemed a bit of a problem to me. It is. I mean, you know, fires, man. It, you know, Malibu, you know, Calabasas got mullered last I know, year. I know. Nothing to do with global warming, of course. Well, whatever. Where do you live? I live up Benedict Canyon. Nice, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, like, do you prefer living here to Shepherd's Bush? A little bit. He would really, wouldn't you? But I mean, you know, it, it's a, even Shepherd's Bush has changed a lot since when I was a kid. You know what's happened to like the BBC in White City? What's happened? BBC does it's not there anymore. It's, it's all luxury flats. There's a oh. Starbucks there now. Did they level it and start again, or no, use what they no, had? No, they used what they had. It's a beautiful old it's building. It's a beautiful old building. No, it's expensive apartments now. A friend of mine's just getting an office opposite it. Wow. It's not there. BBC is not there. Yeah. Well, things change. Things <laughs> change. Yeah, they do. They always change. When you get old like us, we moan about well, you everything. You can remember it all, can't well, you? You moan. Oh, it's gone. I saw you when you supported the 101ers at the, at the Nashville. Oh, the one with the fight? When the fight, when, when Vivian attacked uh, someone uh, in the front row. Were you involved in the fight? I can't remember. I kind of threw a couple of things. I think you did. Yeah. Rotten got involved in it. He got involved. Yeah, it was a little bit of a punch up, but it got the front of the uh, was it the was it the Melody Maker? It got it, uh, Enemy, yes, one of them. Yes, yes, which was obviously the idea. I realised even then. Yeah, I didn't get it at the time that it was like <laughs> it was, uh, it was Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't tell us. Of course, he didn't. You know what I mean? It's like no, we weren't in on it, but he knew what would probably happen. But um, was that the first time you ever saw the pistols? Yeah, I only saw you then, and I saw you with Sid. At uh, Brunel University, the last, last London gig, almost yeah, last London gig. gig yeah, we did we did the uh, Wolverhampton thing, and then that was it. And then up in no well, uh, Wakefield, the, for the kids, for yeah, the yeah, firemen. Yeah, 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 Christmas Day. Yeah, and who knew it was going to break up two weeks later? Yeah, bizarre. So, are you had you heard of the Sex Pistols before you went into the Nashville? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you there to see the One Hundred One ers? No, I came to see the Sex Pistols. Yeah. But I was I knew the 101ers. I was yeah. interested in the 101ers. Yeah. But the Pistols I wanted to see, because uh, you'd done that gig at the Marquee. With Heady and the Art Rods. Yes, exactly. And Where Rotten had never heard a monitor before. Yeah. And, and freaked out. Yeah, of course he did. And, and, and kicked it into the audience, the monitor. And Neil Spencer had reviewed you. And in fact, who was the editor? He wasn't the editor of The Enemy then. He was on The Enemy, and I was on The Enemy. And so, I, so um, I went with him to that Nashville gig. Yeah. What did you think? I Honestly, couldn't, I couldn't really get an impression because of the fight. And Bernie Rhodes came up to me some months later. He says, "Yeah, I saw you at that gig, and uh, you didn't really get it, but you get it now, don't you?" Well, what I mean, did it? I can't remember. Did that end the show, the fight, or did we carry on? I think you carried on a bit after that. Yeah, I don't but, remember but I, at all. I think. I think, but it was kind of it was a sort of significant cultural detail. How long did it was we playing before the fight started? Not that long. Not very right? long. It's yeah. about a third number. Okay, possibly yeah. the second number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, what are you going to do? 
the, it was good at the time. It was, it was great. Because that was the early days. That was way before, you know... B before it became absurd. Yeah, like everything else does. Yeah. That was the good time, and I'm sure every band says the same thing, when you're driving up and around in a van up and down yeah, London, yeah. you're all getting along because you've yeah. not made any money, you're not really famous, and there's no, you know, there's that thing that happens, I say it every time, that when you get success, band members change. Yeah. For whatever reason. Egos. Yeah. Uh, you know, birds trying to break it up, saying, no, you don't need them. You could do a solo record. Of course. Record. You know, course. whatever. We know who you're talking about. All, all, the, uh, <laughs> all, the, all the leeches come out, whatever. Anyway, that, that little period, that year and a half, I think, before the Grundy. Yeah. Because that's when it changed. But me. that wasn't such a big deal, you know. I watched it, I watched it at the time. Yeah. It wasn't really. It was... It was you know why they, why it was on the front pages of all the papers? Because there was an IMF deal was being done at that very moment with, with the Prime Minister to kind of save the British economy. And so it pushed that scandal. That was a distraction. Which, so it was a distraction. Don't tell me that was set up as well. Well, it wasn't a set up, but it's a good excuse, wasn't it? No one that, told me what to that's say. That's what was going on, you know? I well, mean, that, I'm just assuming that that was yeah. true, that they seized on that to kind of... You know, push that story to the back further into the papers. But I don't see how, because none of us was aware of that. And McLaren didn't say anything. Go out there, boys, and swear. He no, didn't, no, no. He no. didn't say any of that. I got drunk. I had like three bottles of Blue Nun in the in the, in the in the thing, and we just went out there and we let him have it because he was asking for it. Yeah, of course. You know, so I don't think it was set up in that. Oh no, no, it wasn't set up. I mean, but he was, definitely, what, but the papers, the got papers, on it, papers got who, on it. Who are puppets? And I never believed any. You know, for example, you know, has anyone ever named the the lorry driver in Essex who kicked in his TV because he was so furious? Well, that probably no, didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. Didn't, he didn't exist. Yeah, obviously, yeah. McLaren made that one up, or the press, or the press, the press made department it made it up. But let me tell you something. After that, McLaren. He asked himself after we did that show. I know. Terrified. I know. He, he, I thought like he was going to get the electric chair. He had that look on his face like he's getting executed. I know. But then, a little while after, took yeah. all credit for it. Yes, of course. Of course. You know, you've, you've, you've met McLaren a thousand yes. times, right? Yes. Yeah. No, he was a complete scamster. Yeah. You know what the thing about the difference between him... And a hamster. And a hamster. And, and the difference between him and, and Bernie Rhodes was that Bernie had some warmth about him. It was quite funny. Yeah. But I always thought McLaren was a bit of a coal fish. Yeah. Hard to kind of figure out, you know? Yeah. I had a soft spot for Malcolm. No, I can tell from what you said in your book. Yeah, I really know? did. And uh, But, you know, I wouldn't, he wouldn't be the number I'd call if I was in jail for someone to bail me out. No, because he wouldn't turn he up. He probably wouldn't answer the phone. Although, apparently, he did go to court for me. Uh, I'd got nicked. I have no recollection of this. Cookies told me this, that I was get, got nicked for something, and he went into the judge and said, "Give this, save this boy, give him another chance." It's in your book. Yeah, I had no idea though. I don't. Yeah. I couldn't tell you, for the life of me, what went down. And it's funny. I was young too. It's not like my, my brain wasn't working. I don't get it. Anyway. Anyway. Now you got. Is this? Is this? Um. Is this condoned by Jimmy Page? No, your no book? of course it's not. Of course, it's and and, not. You, and you're allowed to do a a, a, a um, 
a book about anyone and you don't need to get you their don't permission. need to get their permission no but i mean it's kind of a respect you know i i i thought that led zeppelin were fantastic when i first saw them i mean, i saw them in uh january 1970 the first time which is the second album's just come out yeah and you know that this that, that album was just tremendous and that, this, this was a show at leeds university they played for about three hours and the last 20 minutes or so the encore is all kind of Eddie Cochran numbers. I loved Eddie Cochran anyway. And the interesting thing, because you're talking about punk, is that, of course, by the time punk comes out, you know, Led Zeppelin are considered the absolute, you know, cultural wastrels, you know, the, the epitome of kind of... of, of Emerson, personification, Lake and like Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Like Emerson, Lake and Palmer. You know, the super groups that have to be done away with. But actually, when they started out... They were completely underground. They were like punk rock themselves. You know, they wouldn't go on TV. They wouldn't release singles. You know, they wouldn't. They they wouldn't count out to the record company. They they did all the deals. They were the they were the first act that, um, apart from Dave Clark, actually Dave Clark Five, yeah, yeah. who was who had much more money than the Beatles, because he did this, he licensed his tapes to the record company, and that's what Led Zeppelin did. How did he get that knowledge? Did he have a he smart dad? He was an dad? accountant. Dave Clark Dave... was apparently an accountant. That's wow, how he that's unheard of. It. He's a smart dude. And he made more much, but you know, the Dave Clark, people forget that the Dave Clark Five were it was kind of almost as big as the Beatles. Here, they was Here. definitely, there was a period Absolutely. where they sold way Abs more records. Absolutely, and they made loads more money. Than, than the Beatles because of that. And that's what Led Zeppelin did. They licensed, you know, they paid for the page, and I think John Paul Jones coughed up a bit, the bass player, and Peter Grant, the manager. But largely Page paid for the first album, which was recorded at Olympic, in downtime, and it cost uh, less than £1,800. Probably a lot still in that time, but they had it. And they went, first of all, they went to Chris Blackwell, who had Island Records, yeah. who was in the same building yeah. as, as um, Peter Grant. And he offered them 25 grand for world rights apart from the United States. So using that, and they did use it really, Peter Grant and, and Jimmy Page came to New York in I think, October or November uh, of 68. And they go to Atlantic, where with whom... Uh, Jimmy Page already had a, a relationship because he'd been he'd worked with Burt Burns, who was the guy who revived uh, the career of the Drifters, Save the Last Dance for Me, Benny King, Stand by Me. He did all those tunes, and he and he'd worked with Burt Burns in in and he co-wrote Tristan Shout, and he'd worked with him in England. So through him, he'd met uh, uh, Armit Ertigan, and and. That said, so they got then they got the deal. They got this huge deal, basically. Yeah. And but England didn't want to know. Apart Ireland, you know, dropped out when they heard the Atlantic. Thing. Yeah. Poly, Polydor, as they were then known, were offered them for I think thirty-five thousand pounds, not interested at all. Yeah. So Atlantic got them in the end for the worldwide. So this, but but the point about that is that is is that they were kind of considered like punk rock in those days. Sure. And it was real underground stuff. You know, they sussed out what was because... Well, Page was a big 50s fan, it's obvious. Page is a big f f fan of all. He loves, you know... I mean, I mean, I mean, Plant. Plant. Loves 50s. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know about Yeah, both of them Jimmy. Do. Oh, no, 
pages turned on uh, 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 to the guitar playing by the guitar playing on, on Elvis Presley's Baby Let's Play House. I yeah. mean, that's it, you yeah. know. And, and and Plant also, interestingly, because he was a mod, he was a Midlands mod, he was into kind of uh, into reggae as well. In, not reggae, so, you know, Scar, Bluebeat is yeah. his name. Early, early stuff. So they had all that stuff going on, you know. Well, and also, well, the interesting thing about Plant, of course, one forgets, his first American tour, which which starts on the 26th of December, 68, Denver, he's 19. Yeah. He's a kid. Yeah. Well, like like we were. Like you were, actually. Yeah, come to think of it. Yeah. How, old, how, old were you, how old were you when you came to America with the pistols? Oh, I don't know. 21, Yeah, 20. But, but still, you're kids. Same thing. Same thing. So he was, t- I mean, he was... T- he was terrified, actually, at that first gig in Denver. I'm you know, sure. Because he doesn't know how they're going to be received. In fact, they go down fantastically well. They're supporting Vanilla Fudge. Yeah. Who were, who were very big. Yeah. I liked Vanilla Fudge. Vanilla Fudge did that. Did, used to rearrange classic tunes, like the Beatles' Eleanor Rigby, for example, a heavy organ-dominated group, and also the Supremes' You Keep Me Hanging On, which in the UK was the first hard rock record in the charts. That's top right. Top ten record right. in the Vanilla charts. Fudge you know? version. It's like a so, long, long version of it. Yeah, right? exactly. Slows down. Yeah, exactly. I always thought they were great. I bought the album. Yeah. You know? But anyway, so they always, they toured a lot, but then they are also on Atlantic. Okay. Well, let's play some uh, good times, bad times. This, that's, that's by, by Led Zeppelin. Jonesy's jukebox. Here we go. I'm going to mess this right up with journalist, music journalist, Chris Salovich. That's it. Is that close fantastic. enough? That's fantastic. Okay, take it away. You're listening to Jonesy's Jukebox, KLOS. That was Cool Impossible. That was uh, Joe Strummer from... That's a, an unheard song on his new box set, set. Yeah. Zero, zero, yeah. 001. Which he did with Cosmo Vinyl, who was, you know, the Clash's kind of... Uh, yeah. You know, the fifth member of the Clash, really. Sh- showman. Showman. You know, he kind of got... Joe into the studio during Joe's kind of wilderness years, as it were. Yeah. In it's either ninety two or ninety three. They're doing it at Rockfield, in Wales, a residential studio. Studio, yeah. Zeppelin did a lot of stuff there, didn't they? No, no, no. Zeppelin never. That's what I said. Zeppelin had nothing to do with that studio. No, they never did anything there. But that was the only tune that they. Danny Thompson's on bass, I think, and I assume it's Joe on piano. But that's the only tune they got out of it. But I think it's fantastic. Yeah. It's like a real. It, what Cosmo said, he says he wanted to be like sort of bohemian Jazzy. jazz kind of feel, yeah. you know. And he said he thought that was a good direction for Joe to go in. Yeah. But that was the only one that they got out of it. But it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Did you ever do a book on uh, Strummer? Strummer, yeah, I did. Redemption the song. Was the that one legit? Strummer. Yes, it was. It was completely legit. I came on this show to talk about it. Yeah, it was completely... Was yes, I there? Yes, you were here. Yes, it was in a different, different that, building. That was years ago. A long time ago. Yeah. So when was it? 2007? Somewhere around like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that because I knew Joe, you know, and and and, and I, I came here to do research. Uh, yeah, it took a long time, that book. Yeah. I like that book. Before that was the one oh one as keys to your heart, which is also brilliant, isn't it? I used to like to hate. I used to hate the taste of cheese. It's one of the great lines. What? What was the label he was on then? Stiff? No. Um, Chiswick. 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 And the irony of that was that, you know, you did your gig support with the pistol supporting the one oh one as. Yeah. And, 
they've just done a deal with Chiswick for the record to come. So you, that's the beginning of April '76, and they'd done it. They'd recorded it already. Keys to your heart. It's coming out in the May, but because of your gig, and I think particularly his conversation with Sid, who was there in the background and wearing a leopard skin jacket. He, he wasn't in the band. He wasn't in the band, yeah. but he was just like hanging Punter, around, yeah. you know. And Joe realizes something else going on yeah. altogether. Yeah. So when Bernie Rhodes asks him two days later at, I think it's the Red Cow in Hammersmith. Yeah, the pub, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 to join, you know, what was to become the clash, he, he sort of goes for it, basically. Yeah. But it's kind of because of your gig, the controversial gig. Yeah, he admits, he admits that. Yeah, Joe. of course. He knew it's time to move on. Yeah, one of one is one going to go. But the either. irony, but the irony was that they just got their first. The one of one is after working hard are just about to have that record, which is a great record. Yeah, yeah. Then we had the Who, Long Live Rock, one of your favourites. No, I don't like that one so much, really. The Who. What do you I mean? Did... You asked to play that? <laughs> no, I didn't. But I'm going to. But but you know, I was mentioning Led Zeppelin that that when I saw them the first time, January. 70 and two weeks later the who live at leeds same place there. right i was just same about place, to ask yes, you leeds that... university it's two weeks later yeah so so there was a fantastic social secretary there called simon brogan who actually afterwards became a tour manager for jethro tell and hated it so much he left to become a crofter in the scottish islands a crofter <laughs> farmer a farmer farmer oh cropper cro crofter no, they call themselves crofters that's what a farmer's called? Yeah, in Scotland, yeah. It took me a long time to understand that, too. Yeah, Don't that's worry. news to me. Don't man. worry. Don't worry. I, didn't, I couldn't figure Farmer it out. Farmer Giles. Exactly. But anyway, he he just put on these fantastic bills all the time. Yeah. So Led Zeppelin, next week, I've no idea who was on. It's probably like family or someone. Like family always seemed to be on. He but sounds like week, a goat, doesn't he? So, what, being a crofter? No, the family, family, family singer. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Man, no, man, yes, absolutely. Man, man. No, no, you can hear. Yes, exactly. Hundred yards, you can you can call up a herd of goats. There's a comedian in America. What's his name? The comedian in America, Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer. Okay. He does a thing called Goat Boy on Saturday Night Live. It sounds like the geezer from Family. Great. A ringer. <laughs> we should play that song. It's a great song. Yeah, if you like goats. If you like goats, absolutely. Because a lot of people say when they review him, you know, they liked him, but, it, but his voice got on a lot of people's nerves as well. But yeah, I, I, I didn't mind no, it. I, I, you know, Lay down easy, stars yeah. in my eyes. We had Led Zeppelin, good times, bad times. That's what we started off with. Listen, you're doing a show at Book Soup. Yeah, tomorrow, April the 3rd. 6.45 p.m. kickoff yeah. with with, with the, Native Wien. With the legendary Native Wien Justin going to be man. interviewing me, respect, man. He's sitting over Your there, brethren. look at him. He's sitting over there. Come and say uh, hi. Come now. Come, come now, man. Maximum respect to the wicked Jonesy. <laughs> yeah, boy. And you know... <laughs> yeah, boy. And I wrote some of that, some of this book. Uh, Wayne was around at Goldeneye in Jamaica, which Chris Blackwell now owns, uh, and where Ian Fleming 
had written all the James Bond books. Yeah. So I was hoping for a bit of stuff to rub off, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But Wayne was around during yeah. that time, and we hung out. Definitely, man. You know, and Sting wrote the whole Synchronicity album there at Goldeneye as well. So oh, it's yeah? Like, it's like a place that gives vibes, you know? Yeah, so we got some, you know, we hope we got some good vibes into the book from Oh, that. we have to give Jonesy a hard time because he's never been to Jamaica. You should go. Big you'd reggae fan, he's never you'd been. You'd have a great crazy, time. Man. Jamaica's fantastic, man. I'd like to go if I went with Nate Wayne. You need Wayne. someone who knows the running. I'm not, I'm not going to go walking down Orange Street. Every no, train is pinched off me. Strange things could happen. So, yeah, so Native's going to be there tomorrow. Tomorrow night, yes. 8818 Sunset Boulevard, West Hollywood. Plus a book, book signing. Shoot, and we'll be signing afterwards. Not like but, the book that I didn't get that you didn't sign. No, well, I'm so very sorry. This is, <laughs> I'm going to have to get in touch with my publisher as soon as I leave here. Chris, uh, Chris Salovich. That's great. Oh, is that right? Salovich is fantastic. Salovich. Okay, I've it's got perfect. it now. Salovich. Salovate. Salovich or Salovate. Is that yeah, another I'm one that I'm people often, say? Yeah, I've had that one, obviously. What else? Silly bitch. Silly bitch. <laughs> sandwich. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, it's all good stuff. Are we visiting the Duke? We're not. We're rocking and rolling. What's that? Diamaker? Jamaica. Oh, by Led Zeppelin? You're listening to Jonesy's Jukebox on KLOS. That was Led Zeppelin. Did you make her? No, she came of her own, own accord. Oi, 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 oi. And that, of course, that's that was a, as a consequence of um, Robert Plant's visits to the kind of mod bluebeak clubs in, in the Midlands in the, in the mid-60s. Yeah, yeah. I was a big fan, too, when I was a skinhead. Yeah, you couldn't help it. Did you notice, though, that like all that Trojan stuff, yeah. which is like 68 to 72, yeah. it was kind of much faster paced, wasn't it, than the stuff in like about 75, 76? Yeah. I think they was catering to skinheads. Or was that before skinheads? No, it's it's the skinhead, that's, that's the time of skinheads. Because, of course, people, you might, mustn't forget, mods became either skinheads or hippies of course. basically yeah people forget that yeah but but so were they catering i don't think they were catering for skinheads because a lot of those tunes came from jamaica you know already yeah okay uh, that was just that because it was like that shift from well rocks. you know there was there was skinhead moonstump yeah there was, yeah no, and, and in fact there is even a trojan box set called all, all dedicated like skinhead, yeah, called yeah. skinhead reggae or something yeah you know i've got it but um but it was interesting, yes, exactly. And 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 there wasn't the kind of there became racist associations with skinheads. That was later. But it's later, it's much later. There was no racist, as far as I know. We, yeah. There was we had black guys who were skinheads, exactly, we, who were mates, exactly, at school and that, you know, exactly. Um, but do you remember that other clown, um, Judge Dredd? Yes. It was hugely successful. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh man, it's so tuppence. But I mean, it's funny. It's funny, I know. Big eight. Yes. Big nine. Yes, exactly. Exactly. He, he probably made a few quid he for no, a, no talent whatsoever. Of, I think he made a lot of money. Yeah. But then, the, of course, there were the Trojan Titan Up series, yeah. which always had some sexy girls on the cover. Yeah. But were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they were magnificent records. Yeah. yeah. Trojan Titan Up number two, I remember. Yeah. I've got all that stuff. You have it. I know. I'm sure you do. Um, I'm going to play a, uh, a Bob Marley song when we come back from the Duke live. Is it, is it live at the Lyceum? Yeah. It's Which good, one? Great album. Fantastic. I was there. Were, Were you there? there? I, I don't know. 
Okay. Possibly. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I go in and out. My memory right. yeah, just yeah, goes yeah, yeah. in and out. No, I was there. Second night. There were two nights. So give yourself a plug. Give myself a plug? Yeah. I've, well, tomorrow night... Jimmy I'll, Page book. Jimmy Page, my book, Jimmy Page, The Def Definitive Biography. I'll be reading from it tomorrow night at Book Soup, 8818 Sunset Boulevard, West Hollywood, uh, and being interviewed and talking with my good brethren, Native Wayne Jobson. Come, we will have fun. Nice and as guaranteed. Yes. Well, thanks for coming by. Thank you very much indeed. Good, good luck with your, with your unauthorised book of Jimmy Page. <laughs> Do you think he's going to get the ump when he reads it? Or is, it, is there anything where you, he's going to be embarrassed by or anything? I think I think it's okay because I think he's also a great artist. You know what I mean? I mean, I think he's. I think the thing about Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin is they're like his art project. You know, he went to art school uh, and he learnt assiduously how to produce records and how to create records and uh, and how to the whole the look everything. I mean, it's almost like, to me, to be honest, to me, Led Zeppelin is like his piece of conceptual art, and that's a very strong theme in the book. That it's that, that you know he's the great artist. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not just a musician; he's actually a great artist. Yeah. So yeah. I don't see why he should get too upset about things. Yeah. People know about the sex and the drugs. Yeah. You know? But but my line on it is that he is this great artist. Yeah. And don't forget, as we were saying earlier. In 1977, everyone, you know, he's a complete behemoth. You know, he's the he's the personification of everything that's awful about about the it's music business, band. music business. Now he's the kind of considered the greatest of all classic rock artists. Certainly in Britain, I suspect here too. There's no one like Jimmy Page. I mean, Jim, there was no one like him because Jimmy Page lived in a castle with a moat. You know, he had. You know, he 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 looked. He, uh, uh, Michael DeBar said he knew he knew the perfect way to exit a limousine. He understood the absolute yeah. essence of rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Was the was the Alistair Crowley stuff funny, or did he really? No, he was into it. He, he really was into it. it. He was into it. But I think I think that the pub. I th it's, he's. It is suggested now. By him and and by others that Peter Grant played it up yeah. because you know but allegedly you know he would go into kind of Atlantic Records in the early seventies in New York and girls wouldn't flock to him they'd hide because they were worried he'd be turned into a toad or yeah, something yeah you know? yeah people were people were very frightened of him yeah but I think it was played Persona, up yeah I think it was played up usefully yeah well I'm a big fan of Jimmy Page it's impossible not to be yeah he's fantastic I think he likes that. I remember he was out here for a while and he was driving around a limousine was, and playing Nevermind the Bollocks over and over again. Did you ever hear that story? I didn't know he was playing Nevermind the Bollocks, but I do know that on that, I think it's the last tour that they did, Early he's 80s. playing the, da this is, this is, this is when the Led Zeppelin are doing their last, he's playing the Damned all the yeah. time. So he got so it. So he got it, he got you know, it. you know, it. and they played reggae, you know, when, in 1975, when they're playing Long Beach, uh, Robert Plant uh, is, has got a copy of The Harder They Come With Him yeah. in the limo to play before they come on stage. Yeah. But actually, because of the traffic, they don't get there in time, so it doesn't happen. But, you know, they, were, they understood it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming by. Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks, Chris fantastic, Salovich. man. Great. Well done. Good luck. Thank you. See you in a minute.